Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Watch Once Never Again, the podcast where we watched disturbing cinema so you don't have to. I'm Mary Beth. And I'm Dax. And we are continuing our Todd Salons, Salon, Salons, whatever we want to say. <laughs> Jury's Ser- still out. Jury's still out and will continue to be out. Um, we are continuing our series with the film Happiness. Which I have been both very excited to watch um, in general and knew it was coming for this podcast. And so I'm very excited that we're here to talk about it and discuss this fucking fucked up movie. Yes. So (laughs) I guess because this movie is so fucking long and there's so much to unpack, I should just read the synopsis now uh, so we can jump right into it. A trigger warning just, like, for all of the things about this movie um, before we start going into the description. There's a lot of discussions here of pedophilia, of sexual assault, of... Suicide. Suicide. A lot of stuff. Abuse, maybe. Yeah, abuse. um, Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Everything. A lot of murder. creepiness. Some murder. Yeah, just, like, general bad vibes. Um, Oh, yeah, murder, yeah. deprived depraved depravity abounds in this movie so let me just start with this plot synopsis and then we're gonna just like jump right the fuck in Um, that's wild that so many things happen that i forgot that there was also murder yeah it's like just like casually thrown in at the end (laughs) oh boy um okay so here's the plot of happiness directed by todd salons released in 1998 (sighs) And just as a heads up, this plot synopsis is written in a very odd way in that it, like, takes all of the events of each character and puts it in a paragraph and doesn't go through things chronologically. So just as a heads up, uh, so you know. Um, Trish Maplewood, the eldest Jordan sister, is a housewife who lives an upper-middle-class life. She is married to psychiatrist Bill Maplewood and has three children. But Trish is unaware of Bill's secret life. He is a pedophile who is obsessed with 11-year-old Johnny Grasso a classmate of their son, Billy. When Johnny comes to the Jordan house for a sleepover, Bill drugs and rapes him via tuna salad sandwich. We'll talk about that later. Uh, Later, Bill learns that another boy, Ronald Farber, is home alone while his parents are away in Europe. Under the guise of attending a PTA meeting, Bill drives to the boy's house and rapes him as well. After Johnny is taken to the hospital and found to have been sexually abused, the police arrive at the Maplewood residence to question Bill and his wife. Bill, out of guilt, mistakenly asks the officer if this is about Ronald Farber, even though the cops only mentioned Johnny's name when they arrived, inadvertently implicating himself in an as-yet-unknown crime. The next morning, the family awakens to the words serial rapist and pervert spray-painted on their house. After school... I'm so I'm so sorry for the things I'm about to read, everybody. Um, after school, Billy questions his dad about the things being said at school, and Bill admits that he molested the boys, that he enjoyed it, and that he would do it again. When Billy asks if his par- if he would ever molest him, his fear his his father tearfully replies, "No, I'd jerk off instead." Uh, Trish packs her family in the car the next morning, leaving her her parents' condo in Florida, leaving the audience to presume Bill's going to prison. And there's a lot more where that came from, folks. That was only one paragraph. Out of 74. (laughs) Jesus Christ. They really just put the worst one first. Um, anyway. 
Helen Jordan, the middle sister, is a, is a successful art author who is adored and envied by everyone she knows and can have any man she wants. However, her charmed life leaves her ultimately unfulfilled. She despairs that no one wants her for herself and that the praise regularly he- heaped upon her is undeserved. She's fascinated by a man, it's this unknown man, but it's unknown man, fascinated by an unknown man who's actually her neighbor, Alan, who makes obscene phone calls to her apartment and tries to seek out a relationship with him. Uh, she's disappointed, though, when she finds out the man is her neighbor, Alan, to whom she's not attracted to. Alan, who was coincidentally one of Bill's patients, sinks into depression at Helen's rejection as, as Helen's rejection ruins his fantasies. <laughs> but he begins a relationship with Christina, who lives in the same apartment block down the hall. While on a date, Christina reveals to him that she killed the apartment doorman after he raped her. Although Alan is content with her friendship after she confided this in him, Helen reveals that the genitals of the doorman were discovered by the police less than six months later in Christina's freezer. Good for her. Um, Joy, the youngest sister, is overly sensitive and lacking direction. She works in telephone sales, but leaves to do something more fulfilling. Teaching at an immigrant education center! Her students don't like her, and she begins to feel empty at that job, too. Joy is also constantly let down by her personal life. After a rejected suitor, Andy calls Joy shallow at the beginning of the film, and then goes on to kill himself. Helen tries to set her up with with other men. Expecting to hear from a suitor, she instead gets an obscene call from Alan. Later, one of her Russian students, Vlad, offers her a ride in his taxi and they end up having sex. She is initially smitten, but then realizes that Vlad is using her and that he may actually be married. After being attacked by someone who she thinks is his wife at school, she goes to his apartment to make amends, but discover that she is not his wife after all, even though they live together. In the apartment, uh, Joy sees her missing guitar and a CD player and insists on getting them back, and Vlad coerces her into lending him $500 in exchange. She's back to being alone. Finally, the sisters' parents, Mona and Lenny, are separating after 40 years of marriage, but will not get divorced. Lenny is bored with his marriage, but does not want to start another relationship. He simply wants to be alone. Hashtag relatable. As Mona copes with being single during her twilight years, Lenny tries to rekindle his enthusiasm for life by having an affair with a neighbor. It is no use, however, as Lenny eventually finds out that he has become incapable of feeling. (laughs) This final sentence is going to fucking kill me. The only person who attains happiness is Billy, who finally achieves an orgasm for the first time, which he proudly declares to his family, who responds with confusion. So, um, why do I love this fucking movie? I was really hoping that you would. I I was like, Mary Beth could go either way on this one. (laughs) Like, I texted you at 2, so I watched this last night at 11.30pm, like, forgetting that it was an two and a half hour long or almost a two and a half hour long movie and i watched it until two in the morning texted dax and said i hate you for making me watch this movie <laughs> it doesn't feel like it's two and a half hours long no it doesn't which is wild um it does not feel like it's two and a half hours long but it is the most uncomfortable viewing experience i have ever had watching a movie like i thought that i was going to be arrested watching this movie i'm going to be pretty completely honest with you <laughs> You probably had to pirate it, so there's some uh, time for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I especially for multiple it reasons. Where did you buy it? Um, I bought it on eBay a few years ago. It has a okay. really ugly like DVD cover. Um, I love it. It was like thirty five fucking dollars, but I bought it. 
it's fucking 60 on Amazon. Yeah, that's why. I know, it's out, of, it's out of print, right? That's why. It is out of print, yeah. But I needed to have it. And it was before I had even seen it. Oh, really? Oh, wait. No, no, no. I forgot. I I saw this. Um, I actually pirated it the first time I saw it. I, I just suddenly remembered that. And I also felt like, first of all, I was like, is this the right fucking movie? Because um, that's when I had started getting into disturbing movies. And this is on every single fucking list. Usually uh-huh. pretty close to the top, at least at the time. Um, and I finally found it and I was like, is this the right movie? Because I thought it was going to be like a horror movie or something. Yeah. But of course, when it gets to Bill's parts, I'm like, ah, yes, this is definitely the right one. <laughs> yeah. And so, well, and like, I going into it, I was like, this is not going to be that bad. But because, okay, like that sounds terrible. But look, I we have watched a lot of fucked up shit, the both of us. When someone tells me it's really fucked up, I am skeptical. Only because I'm like, well, you know, I've seen some fucked up shit. Boy, oh boy, guys, this is fucked up. A lot. Terrible. It is. Terrible. And beautiful. And fucked. (laughs) God. It should, I shouldn't have laughed as much as I did about some of the things in this movie. Um, Yeah. I don't think, I don't think, I don't remember if I said this on mic last time, but I don't think it's something that. I, I think you'll remember it forever, especially Bill, but I don't think it's, like, damaging at all. It, See, I never want to so watch, I do, I do never want to watch this movie again. Like, I know I'm getting oh, ahead okay. of myself. I, we'll talk, we can talk more about that later, but, um. Yeah. Basically, I'm very excited to talk about this movie. I'm also very excited to never watch it again. Um. But before we start like diving into this movie, because I know we kind of have a plan of attacks, it's so long and there's so much going on. So before we dive into the movie, like specifically and all the things going on, I know that you watched this with people who hadn't seen it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell me more about that before we dive in, or is there? Do you want to wait <laughs> to share that share that experience? Yeah, I can tell you. Um, this was my probably fourth or fifth time seeing it. Um, but my friend Kevin was here and, um, he had never seen it and I just knew that it would be something he would like. Okay. Um, just cause <laughs> he, he loves like a dark comedy. Um, but he's also, and I mean this in a good way, he's, he's like a sensitive being, you know? Okay. So I knew that it would be interesting for him. Of course, I gave him, like, trigger warnings on. I was like, is this something that that you'd be okay with watching? Like, I described it, like, you don't see anything, but here's some of the subject matter. So it's it's definitely not a movie to, like, blindly show somebody. I think that would be really fucked up to do. So, God, (laughs) fucking someone in my notifications last night said that they showed it to someone like i have to find it because i tweeted about watching this movie and like a lot of people were like oh boy and someone i don't know i think it was a first date movie i think someone showed a first date movie i'm almost positive someone watched this um and now they're both in jail 
Um, where is it? I can't find it. Okay, Wait, never mind. So, so did they go to... Okay. I need, I have questions. Did they go to see it together in the theater, like, in 1998 or whatever? Or were they, oh, like, having someone over? Back in 2001, my then-boyfriend was visiting me in New York City for our anniversary. We were combing the video store for something to watch on a romantic night in. This looks good, we thought. Mood killer does not even begin to describe it. This is, um, that was a tweet from Jen Handorf. She's a, a, a mutual of mine and is a filmmaker. But, yeah, so for their anniversary, they watched Happiness... Because they didn't know what it was, and they said it was. She said it was the worst uh, way to spend your anniversary, basically. So, I mean, I'll say. Or is it the best? I think this. Okay. We'll get into this more, but I think this movie is fucking hilarious. I was like, watching it with Kevin and like seeing it through new eyes again. We were cackling, like yeah, there are really fucked up things, but. I want everyone to remember it's a dark comedy like yeah heavy on comedy and it's really funny so <laughs> we were like we were yeah living you know? like there are parts and again we're gonna get into this that I was laughing that I was like I should be in prison for laughing at this you know what I mean like there were parts of this movie where I was like this does not feel like something I should be laughing at um it has like amazing quotes. <laughs> I wrote down two of the quotes that made me really laugh. Um, one of them is <laughs> when um, Joy starts her job as like a English as a second language teacher, and <laughs> she has to go through a bunch of protesters because they're they're protesting for benefits. Yeah. Uh, they're like yeah. they're teachers who want benefits, so they're outside. And she goes inside and um, she hears, like, these other teachers who, you know, basically broke through the strikers to get inside talking. And they're, like, crying. And the one, like, tells her, like, you're not a scab. You're you're a strike, you're a strike breaker. breaker. And then Joy, like, repeats that because she goes into the classroom to start teaching. And the, her students, who are all, like, immigrants, they're like, you're a scab. <laughs> And she's like, I'm a strike breaker. <laughs> the way she I says am it. I'm not a like, scab. I am a strike, strike breaker. breaker. <laughs> it's just, that um, killed me. That killed Laura, me. Laura Flynn Boyle has an incredible quote about living in a state of irony, as in she lives in the state of New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, yes, and can agree, can confirm. So funny. And then, um, I did find one of the very fucked up lines from Bill very funny, and I feel terrible for finding it funny, but we'll talk about that later. One more. Everyone Please. uses baggies. That's oh! we can relate to this crime. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> when Laura was... Boyle is, like, telling her family about uh... Christina cutting up the Pedro, and, oh, um... <laughs> she's like, the... <laughs> what did she say? We all, we all use plastic baggies. That's why we can identify with this crime. Yeah, like all the body parts were in, baggies. were in baggies. And like, oh, wow, I use baggies. And they're like, that's why we all identify with it. And it's like, <laughs> what in the fuck? And like, like just kind of like this broad observation about his work. In the two movies I've watched, and we talked about this a little bit last time, is Solid Salons is so incredible at making me awkward even more uncomfortable. Like, it really, 
obviously it was very apparent in Welcome to the Dollhouse, but even more so in this movie. Like, and we'll talk about this with Bill, but like discussions that like these discussions that you have with people that are already inherently awkward, like he knows how to make it so much worse. And I think a good way to kind of transition into these broader strokes, broader strokes about the movie to the specifics is the opening scene with Joy, played by Jane (laughs) Addams, and uh, her part, uh, well, what's his name? Andy. Andy. She's breaking up with Andy, who is played by the incredible John Lovitz, who I love. And they, it is the most awkward breakup date scene. And it's the opening of the movie. And there's no soundtrack. No score, just a woman breaking up with an awkward man who doesn't know how to take it at first. And, um, wow, an incredible way to start to an incredible way to introduce Joy and also just like make me love John Lovitz's character, (laughs) which is a bummer because he does not last very long in this movie. But, I honestly, so I guess for some further context, she's breaking up with him. I think this is only maybe their second or third date. Yes. And um, she doesn't actually give like a real reason why she's breaking up with him. She, she, she's like, it's, he, he's like, is there someone else? And she's like, no, it's, it's just you. And you get the, and he also gets the feeling that she means like, I'm breaking up with you because it's something about you. Yeah. Like, it's just you as a person. <laughs> and he he kind of goes off. Um, he has a whole monologue about how, and this is an assumption on his part, how she's breaking up with him because of how he looks and, like, she thinks he's fat and... I don't. I don't even know. Like what else? I. I really like. Um, got stuck on that because I was like, she's. She didn't say anything about that. No, and I think like she's trying to be very caught. <laughs> co- like we come into the the breakup at the end too. Like it's just like so. You, she's like so you get it. Like yeah, and he's like trying not to cry, and she's like, she's a very she's a pretty meek character. Like you get the vibe. Like she's obviously trying to be kind to him, but also firm. And then he's like, well, I got you a present, and she goes. Oh, for the love of God, no. And then it says ashtray with her name on it. Is it an ashtray? Yeah, because yeah, she says, I'm going to learn. I'm going to teach myself how to smoke. And then he grabs it out of her hand and goes, this is only for somebody who loves me for who I am. And it's just like, so um, they're at a restaurant. Like this is in public at a table. And, and mind you, he ordered that for her after their first date. <laughs> But it seems like she genuinely liked it. It it was like there was specific stuff about it. It seems like maybe they were both history buffs, and he yeah. had, like, special ordered this. Like it it was like it wasn't just a like a regular looking ashtray. It kind of almost collect- looked like a tiny cauldron. Yeah, it was like a collector's item. There was like mm-hmm. they again what what he's what salons is doing so well here is like. Get, painting a picture without giving us all of the context like you can you kind of can infer a lot about the characters just from this exchange which is this whole movie and it's really impressive but it's like this gift that she is so excited about it has like a very specific like piece of significance to her 
and she tre- she's like, I'm going to treasure this always. And she is like very into it. And then he takes it and is like, <laughs> absolutely not. And I was like, okay, so that's where we're going with this movie. Um, awesome. <laughs> and he has a lot of memorable lines just in his short monologue. He, he's like, um, you think I'm shit, but I'm champagne. You're shit. Oh my god, I was obsessed. Die. Obsessed that line. Like you think you think I'm shit, but I'm champagne. I was like, God damn, that's a good line. <laughs> right? Until the day you die, Until you, not you. me. And like to and then just to put it in perspective, Joy's character is not even close to the worst one in this movie. <laughs> She's the nicest one, by the way. She's far. the nicest one. She's just so incredibly naive. I think. Like like I think she's a very naive character. And I think that's, like, that is just kind of the case for her. And, you know, they introduce Joy, and then you kind of learn about her sisters. So she is the the youngest of three, with Trish as her older sister, Helen as her middle sister. And she is, like, the failed, kind of the failed one. They always talk about her as, like, the failure of the family. Like, Trish is a, is a mom who, like, has a rich, like, a successful husband and, like, all, and the kids. Helen has an incredible career. And Joy is, like, a failed songwriter and works at, and, like, has just, like, you know, a regular job. She works in a call center. She's, like, fine. But everyone's, like, you're a failure. And they don't, like, the way I perceived it as, like, she tries to do all of these things to show, like, to prove something more to both her, to other people about what she can accomplish and like do good in the world when like she was perfectly happy doing what she was doing before but everyone is like how could you be happy doing that like how could you feel fulfilled in that and then she which leads to her quitting her job to teach english as a second language to these students and she fucking hates it like it's not and like but she feels pressured to do it and this this is how i i mean this is how i perceived it It's like she feels pressured to do this, to like do something better for the world because that's what her family is like asking of her or expecting of her. And then she's like, this fucking sucks. She gets taken advantage of by Jared Harris, who plays Vlad, Uh, the the Russian taxi driver who like, I definitely thought was going to sexually assault her. Sorry, but like this movie, I wouldn't have been surprised if in this movie, like, because she's getting taken advantage of. But like, it's always like, Slons knows where to draw the line in a really weird way. Like, mm-hmm. oh, and we'll talk about this more again with like Bill and with um, Christina's character. But like, he draws the line just at like her getting, she gets taken advantage of, but there's consenting sexual like relationships happening here. So like, she's not getting assaulted, but she is getting like monetarily taken advantage of. And it's just interesting how he plays with that, these boundaries of like, not going too far, but just far enough. At least, at least in the case of Joy, that that'll that'll be a little bit different with <laughs> further characters. But here with Joy, yeah, because he he could have had it just be like the guy like rapes her and like ruins her life and like steals all of her shit. You know what I mean? Like he could have easily yeah. done that. But like, where's the? Well, I feel where. Like oh, sorry. Joy, Joy is more like the grounded character who's like, yeah. This is real life. Nothing is fair. Because she just gets shit on the whole time. And she doesn't deserve it. I actually see her a little bit differently than you do. Like, I do think she's incredibly naive. But, like, um, she's... Her sisters are always saying the actual words. 
we who have it all enjoy she has nothing they say that multiple times and it's like okay what do they have really like trisha's husband is a fucking pedophile and he's not even attracted to her um it's basically it's a sham marriage and then helen is like a fucking hack who makes up drama in her life to write these shitty poems um, like I mean, when she fucking like says, a... "I've never been raped. I wish I had been raped to like make sure I could pull, like I could actually have that experience to write about." And I was like, "You're disgusting." Yeah, <laughs> like, like lines like that. She... I was like, "I fucking hate everyone in this movie." <laughs> she has like uh, her book that she's like famous for is it's like a book of poems. It kind of looks like what's that writer Rupee? Um, oh yeah, or Cower yeah. or something. Um, it looks like that. Uh, and the, and Helen's like poems, they're titled like rape at 10, rape at 11. And you get the sense that it's about like being assaulted, maybe like her parents not giving fuck about her, which is even, I mean, we, is verifiably false. You see her parents are very loving and like caring. Um, and then, she says she admits that like these things that she wrote these poems about never happened and she wishes that they happened so that she could be authentic and that's exactly what i mean she has no authenticity she's alone um like you know what i mean i guess she has yeah. like, sexual flings that we don't really see um but yeah they like they're saying like they have it all and it's like I don't know. It, actually, Joy seems to be the hardest—not the hardest working one, but she works pretty hard. I mean, she I has like a legit job. It like tri- okay, full time mother that is a job, but she does not work outside of the home. And uh, Helen is like a celebrity, so it's like how hard is her life? You know, and not for nothing, like, Trisha's life is also pretty cushy because of Bill's salary. He's, I think, a psychiatrist. And, like, not just, like, a therapist. I think he's a psychiatrist. Yeah. So he's, I mean, their house is very nice. They live in a very affluent suburb, you know. Joy... She she lives with um she lives in her parents' house there down in Florida I guess, um. She lives in her parents' house, but like she still works. She, yeah, she has hobbies. You know, she's putting herself out there dating. It's not like she's like a fucking like bump on a log, not doing anything. With yeah, her life. I, and I I agree with that. I think it's just like she is pressured by these people who think they know. And again, like it comes back to this title of happiness. Like these people who yeah. think they know what happiness is. They have never known a glimpse of happiness. And Joy, in in my perspective watching this movie, she's the one that's experienced the most happiness out of all of them, I think. I would, that is going to be my my uh, thesis here, is that Joy, haha, her name is Joy, I've made that connection, I'm an idiot. Um, as in the feeling <laughs> I of Joy. I hate that her name is Joy. I know, it's just fucking Jesus it's Christ. It's two on the nose. It's two on the nose. But it's like, at the beginning, she even says, with like, she's at her sister's house, like, I'm so happy to be here. And like, Part of it she's feels lying. like she's like it's like part of it wants me to be like she's being sincere, and the other part is like she's just saying this. But I honestly do feel like she is the one that has experienced the closest things to happiness out of her family, at least in like the context of this movie. Like, yeah, she gets fucked over by her student, like 
Now, nothing like that good happens to her, but I also feel like she's the one that's the most grounded in reality and understanding of, like, her position in the world. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if she experiences the most joy, in my opinion, anyway. I think that she really wants to. I think in that moment when she's like, I couldn't be happier. I think she's lying. She yeah. wants to be happy. And she's the only one willing to put in the real work to attain that happiness. Does she I, ever get it? No. But, like, she tries really hard. Yeah, and I don't think, maybe that's what I mean in terms of, like, she's act, she's actively trying to find happiness rather than just assuming she knows what it is. Which is what she experiences with her sisters, I think. Who just, like, yeah. we're happy because we have the things that everyone tells you you're supposed to have to be happy. Exactly. Exactly, and, and and Joy is like, I don't know, man. I'm just trying my best out out in these streets. And then her sister's <laughs> like, "You fucking suck." And she's like, "Okay, great. Uh, I'm gonna change my life and see if it'll make things better." And then she does, and she gets robbed. It's just like, no. I think that the reason why she decides to change her life is because Andy dies, and of course she gets oh, blamed yeah. for that because, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, of course she does. He he. Well, I think he wrote a suicide note and basically, like, confessed his undying love or something. We get the sense that he did that because his yeah. mother calls her while she's at work. And uh, Oh, my favorite moment where everyone's, like, trying to remember who he is. And, that like, was so... Everyone's, I was like, bringing everybody into the conversation and, like, ex- trying to discuss, like, what he looks like and, like, how... And it was just... Meanwhile, yeah, she's, like, sobbing and getting called a bitch on the phone by his mother. And it's just, like fuck it's so fucking funny in the worst way possible it's so goddamn funny well it's also so real like that is i work in an office that's what it's like every day someone's like oh sam did this i'm like who the fuck is sam who is sam and they're like she's worked here for a year (laughs) you know what i mean like i don't know i have a five foot you're like i don't know I, i don't know anybody here shut the fuck up leave me alone like, for real, that's what it's like. So it was really funny when she's, like, um, uh, Joy is telling her coworker, played by Molly Shannon, um, Andy died, and, and Molly Shannon's like, who's Andy? <laughs> it's so funny. They're all, and she, like you said, she keeps bringing other people in, and they're like, I don't know. Oh, maybe it's this guy. And finally Joy's like, yep, that's the one, even though it's definitely it's, not. It's just... It's incredible. But I, th- I think that moment, she realizes, like, oh, this is what wasting your life is, being here. No one will remember you. You got to do something f- for and with yourself. So she thinks the way to do that is to teach English as a second language. For her, it turns out that's not the answer. <laughs> makes her feel worse but i don't think her sisters had anything to do with that and in fact they both seem pretty surprised that she's doing it and they think it's stupid i think remember at their lunch when <laughs> they're like trying to determine which of them is busier <laughs> yeah i guess i just i also come i think i also i will say i i do not have sisters but my mom is the oldest of three and i grew up like kind of as like the half sister as in like i was born when my aunt was nine so like i was a little bit of a like i was part of the sisters and like kind of and i 
seeing the sister dynamic, I think I was also projecting my experience on like the three sister dynamic and <laughs> laughing at just similarities. And I think also just projecting what I have seen happen to my aunt, who is the youngest, from my mother and her sister. And, like, similar vibes, I think, too. So I I think that's also me projecting onto it a little bit. Fair. I think that's probably with (laughs) most siblings. Oh, yeah. It's just so funny to just, like, be like, wow. Yeah, that's that's it. That's similar to the like not exactly but there are like whispers of similarities of like with the sisters which is very funny to me sure there's always the one that's like the quote-unquote failure Uh they're totally fine yeah like they're totally fine and then like they get that's funny um they just want to boost themselves that's all yeah poor anyway poor joy any of that no i just she she's a pleasant person she's just she's just trying her she's just trying how she can and just getting absolutely fucking shafted at every pass like trying to be a better person like potentially one of like the the more well-intentioned people in this movie like regardless of like her naivete and she just gets fucking shafted (laughs) the woman just comes in and punches her in the face in the classroom and she's like i'm gonna quit my job like this is this is so stupid i love it that's life, baby. Nothing's and fair. That's life, baby. Um, so let's talk about the sisters for a, a hot, a hot minute. We've talked about them quite a bit, but we have Trish, who is like Trish to me is like the most like sitcom mom I've ever seen. Like the way yes. she talks, the way she dresses, her haircut. Like, she is such a sitcom mother of someone who is like, wow, I really do have it all. Hi, honey. I love you, honey. Like, it's just such an act. Yes. It's incredible how she plays, like, oh, what the fuck is the actress's name? Of how she plays Trish as, like, the most, like, <sighs> I don't even know how to describe it. Cynthia Stevenson, who yes. plays her. Um, she is just incredible at just playing the kind of like totally unaware housewife. Like she is, to me, she was kind of like this. She's kind of a stick in the mud. She's a stick in the mud, but I also feel like it's Salon's taking the idea of like the suburban mother and taking her to an extreme of just like being that blind to her husband's like what's going on with her husband and being like that mom and that person like she is so much that person that it is like it's hysterical but also sad and that like she exists in a whole mm-hmm. other kind of world of del- of like suburban delusion of about like how perfect yeah. her life is and how great everything is like yeah we haven't had sex in a long time but like you so love <laughs> me like oh my god honey i love you like blah 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 and it's just like meanwhile your husband's jerking off to pictures of kids in the back of a car but we'll talk about that later oh, when we get God. to him. Um, yeah, it's, it's she's literally like if you just took like a a wife from Leave It to Beaver and just put her in nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, exactly. And like her, so her character and Bill and Bill. This movie reminds me of like of an American Beauty for sickos. Have you seen American Beauty? Me. Yeah. Oh, who the fuck? Yes. I don't. Who the fuck else would you be asking? I know. I was like, Sorry. who am I at? Like, that is so. Who, me? What? I don't yes? know. Yes? <laughs> I'm leaving that in. 
That's incredible. Who? Who? Me? Yes, you. No, the ghost. You fucking idiot. I love you. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yes, I have seen it. But this movie gives me American Beauty vibes, but like for fucking sickos like us. Like it's a it's which American- is funny because don't you think American Beauty is kind of already a little bit? For I sickos? mean, American Beauty is fucked up 100% obviously but this is even more fucked up I think this one like goes even further in looking at like depravity in people in general like oh for sure I just yeah because it's like I don't know it's the beautiful house the the, the, the kids also I have a question so they have three so the Maplewoods have three kids they have Billy they have another one and they have Chloe they talk about the baby but do we ever see the baby I don't know if we ever see her. I don't remember, but I there was a good portion of this film where I thought Chloe was the dog. I also thought Chloe was the dog. I would have liked until, it better. <laughs> until they were like changing her diapers, and I was like, "Where is this fucking baby? There's a third one. Like, where is the third one?" Which I hope was the gag on purpose because it's incredible if they're just like left the baby out the whole time, or just like <laughs> we're just gonna talk about her, and you never actually know where she is. I love that. It's like the yeah, baby that just like doesn't exist. It's incredible. It's fucking incredible. I don't incredible. remember seeing her. I don't remember no. seeing her even like eating or anything. So. No, not at the dinner table. Nothing. So I Fuck big fan. Chloe. Fuck Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck them kids. Fuck them kids. Um, you know what? Just real quick, you brought up actually something that I wanted to talk about, and we don't have to really dwell on it. It's just like. Um, the American Beauty for Sickos thing. And, yeah. Um, I think that's part of why I love this movie so much is that yeah. I really, really love when we get to look at the fucking seedy underbelly of the mm-hmm. American suburb life, you know? Yeah. At, like, see underneath the, like, glossy veneer and see it's all fucking rotting inside. That I love that whole genre <laughs> film and like it's i i wouldn't say american beauty is even close to one of my favorite movies but i do like it and i i think you're right this is very similar to that movie except it's like on steroids <laughs> yeah well and like i wrote down like this reminds me of like american beauty magnolia and then there's a later film called little children with patrick wilson this kind that's of that's like, the one it reminds me of the most little children little yeah, children. yeah, yeah. Yeah, for, oh, that for sure, Little Children. But it's like, I think, obviously Little Children's from the aughts, but this really is a movie that plays into that 90s cinema trend about tapping into like, like the intricacies and dark nature of humanity through like this kind of anthology type, an anthology type approach, like an anthology film type approach. But here, like, Salaz is not afraid to make these people like fucking monsters. Like, this isn't like Kevin Spacey is like, weirdly lusting after like an almost like a barely legal teenage girl which is fucked up that's very fucked up there's it's an incredibly fucked up thing but here he's like let's take this a step further and have like a guy like a man going after like 10 year old boys like we're gonna go far and we're gonna go further and further into that shit we're gonna have philip seymour hoffman play a guy who just like wants to violently like fuck women and like make them uncomfortable and he's also just like an incredibly weird dude like, it's just, it's all yeah. of the, it's, like, that trend of movies taken to the extreme in a way that, like, no one else would do. And I love that. Because, again, it's, like, 
we love these movies about fucked up people and their fucked up little lives and like what's going on behind closed doors. But here we're like, oh no, we don't want to know that much. Like we don't want people to be that fucked up. Like he's like, I found the line about like what you guys can tolerate and I'm going to go over and be like, haha. Well, what if people were like actually really fucking terrible and not just like, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible how he does it, but it's also incredible how he does it and makes all of the characters sympathetic in a way and endearing. It's yeah, that's the other thing I love insane. is like yeah we get to see they're just like normal people who live these like secret lives I love that <gasps> I just put something together real quick I just put tell something me. together tell me little children is written by another guy from Jersey oh so what's going on <laughs> what <laughs> is in the water place, what they is both in, take the place water? in the same like area ish it's like North Jersey I just so- realized that right now. I wonder if people just like have this like assumption. Like, here's my here's my theory. As someone who has never lived in New Jersey, so this is my outsider's perspective. Is it because like New York City is close by and it's the big city, and they're like, okay, what's like far? Or, like, what is a place that is close to a city but like is also very different? And they just chose Jersey, and they're like, this is why. Or Jersey's, <laughs> or Jersey's just fucked up. Like that is also the other option. You you tell me. If... You're the Jersey you're the Jersey person. Yeah, I'm in New Jersey. I was not born here, but I was raised here. Yeah. The, so both of those like Todd Salons and I'm really sorry but I forget who wrote Little Children, the book. He's also from New Jersey. They're both from North Jersey. Todd Field. Oh, and that's the director of the movie. Tom Perota wrote the Yes wrote Tom the Perota. novel. Yes. So I'm in South Jersey. Which is relevant because North Jersey is a totally different vibe. North Jersey actually does a lot of time feel like New York, depending on where you are. But the suburbs are, it's just really interesting because it is like, uh, North Jersey has a lot of very affluent suburbs. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like some of the like richest ones in the country. It's wild. Yeah, yeah, North, Jer- North Jersey and South Jersey are very different places. Yeah, and, and, like, don't get me wrong, there are some very affluent places in South Jersey, too, but, like, North Jersey has some of the most affluent uh, cities in in the whole country, you know? So I think it is just an interesting juxtaposition. It's right there. I mean, everybody knows what New York is and how New York is. I, I don't think you can truly understand unless you're in New York. Yeah, um, but like even if you haven't been there, you get the gist. It's cr- like it's crowded. It's difficult. It's cold. You know. It's uh, you know, there it, there's so many fucking different types of people, and then there's too many people for the infrastructure and for the housing, and it's just it's hard. It's fucking difficult being in New York, and uh. <laughs> Even just me commuting to New York uh, twice a week for school, it's so fucking hard, like, just being there. And it's funny, because whenever you're there, you're like, how do people, like, live here? <laughs> Everything seems difficult. It's like, you gotta take seven trains to get to, like, fucking the grocery <laughs> store, right? Yeah. And <laughs> those trains aren't gonna be on time, and, like, they cost Absol- money. Absolutely not. Yeah. So, it's just hard. And then you have, like, the very affluent suburbs, like, just 20 minutes away, maybe, like, right over the bridge. 
And it's just such a weird juxtaposition of like totally different life. You know, like it's easier, like, <laughs> you know, you can yeah. see the struggle right across the river. Uh, but, you know, it's just more relaxed. It, I don't know. It's just fucking, yeah. it's just strange. So I feel like that's a big part of why um, people like to place things in North Jersey just because there is that juxtaposition that's, it's like, like if New York didn't exist and someone wrote about a place like that and was like, but just across the bridge is like totally opposite. You'd be like, that's too on the nose. Yeah. But it's real life. <laughs> Surprise, guys. It's actually true. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, not to go oh, on what... and on. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's just, like, it's, it's like, so natural, I feel like, that some people like to place things there. Because it's, like, what is more ironic? What is more, I don't know, of a foil, like, foil characters for each other, you know? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Not that New Jersey... New Jersey has a lot of very rough neighborhoods, too. I'm just saying suburbs yeah. versus city. It's really, oh, sure. really pronounced with New York versus... Yeah. It's, it's like, less pronounced if you were, like, where I live versus Philly. It's very similar, except that everything's a 15-minute drive away. <laughs> yeah. And we have well, terrible and- food. <laughs> Well, and, like, that goes back to Laura, like, Helen, Laura from Boyle's character, who goes, I live in a state of irony about, like, living in Jersey instead of New York and trying to make it this, like, a statement rather than just being, like, I want to live in, I don't know. It's just very funny. And I would, yeah. I've also experienced this as someone who lives, like, right out, like, I don't live in Washington, D.C. I live right outside of it. Mm-hmm. But I say Washington, D.C. because no one fucking knows what Silver Spring, Maryland is. But it's it just easier, always... Yeah. It's just easier, but it makes me laugh that she is so quickly to be like, it's a state of irony. And I just, I think that is the most perfect line slash perfect way to like encapsulate pretentious art people who want so badly to justify (laughs) every single choice they make as some kind of like artistic statement. It's so good. Her character does not (laughs) once show one lick of authenticity and i'm obsessed like it's the best way to play that kind of character like she is literally yeah. the most phony character and it's incredible like she's so funny she's, she's so, funny. so and it's like why funny. don't you live in the city yeah You're like a what, famous what, author also like the apartment building is discussed like it's not a good apartment building like it's not a yeah, bad one, it's but, ugly. like, it's ugly. It's not a nice apartment building. It's, like, your typical, like, you buzz in, and it's got, like, a, sh- a shitty elevator and, like, a dark, dingy hallway, and, like, the apartments are fine. It's, like, a, it's like a regular, like, lo- okay apartment building. It's, like, why do you live here? What's the, what's the truth? Like, are you not really that rich? Question, question, question. Yeah, it's, like, she lives next to Alan, who is... What does he do? He's like in he's in he's in he's in data data not like data yes. research yes data, data research. research and then like Christina who do we even know what her job is uh no but she lives right between them it's like imagine if, I don't even actually want to use that author imagine if Stephen King <laughs> I feel like you know who I was gonna say I was like mm-hmm. I'm like mm, don't say it but imagine if Stephen King just like lived in your shitty high rise i'd be Why? like what's wrong like what happened like is it haunted here like is, are you here for like research <laughs> you know what i just thought of though what 
I wonder if maybe she chose to do that because she has no other struggle in her life. So she's like, let me try to imbue some struggle into my life. I'll pretend to be poor. And like, Ugh, no, my God. I, I don't think any no. of them are like poor because they all live on their own and stuff. Yeah. They're, and like, they're in a bad apartment. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like she's yeah. like, it's like, yeah, it's it's like a regular apartment. It's just like a little rundown. Like how every fucking like high rise. She's, she's like trying to be like one of the regular people. Yeah. I think, I wonder if that's part of it where she's like, I'm different. I'm not going to live in New York. I'm going to live in New Jersey because I'm different. I and absolutely. I'm not going to oh. live like a celebrity. I'm going to live like a normal person because I'm just so normal. I just like absolutely fucking adore when she's like, I'm so sick of being a Adored all the time. The <laughs> sex is great. The body is the food. But just no one loves me for who I am. I'm like, who even are you then? Like, though, like, who are you for real? And then she never tells you who she is. Like, it's incredible. Mm. I love her. She never changes, and I love that. Not for her. She's so once. funny. I, you know what? A consistent queen. What like, can it I must say? be so hard to be like hot and rich. Fuck I me. know. Oh, it's so difficult. It's so, <laughs> it's just so difficult and hard to be like going to trips oh, and God. fucking hot men all the time. Oh, Tragic. God. I hated her character, which, and I loved it for that. Like, thank you, Laura Flynn icon. Oh, I love an out of touch rich white it's lady. <laughs> so, good. like, she is the most out of touch character. It's incredible. Um, and then I just want to touch briefly on their parents super quick. I, I was not, like, super into their... I will say, like, their their story was kind of the most boring to me. Um, maybe because it was, like, the least dramatic. I don't know. Maybe I'm, like, just, like, an <laughs> asshole. I was like, okay. Like, but what's oh, the fuck... funny. I was like, what's the fucked up thing? <laughs> I was like, what, what what's, what's, what's going I on here? I just think... I think just the dad is supposed to be, like, a some sort of symbol of nihilism or something oh 100 percent. i was just i'm just being an asshole like <laughs> it is it is like deeply sad that he fucks someone and says i feel nothing and like that is so fucked up and sad like after 40 years of being married you're like i just want to be alone and i don't feel anything anymore like that is so deeply upsetting but like in comparison to the other things happening in this movie it just feels so tame which is so fucked up but i'm like yeah whatever you don't feel anything but what about the <laughs> creepy pedophile <laughs> Well, not for nothing, if you were the lone person in that family who's, like, pretty grounded and normal, and um, you had to deal with all those other characters all the time, wouldn't you want to be alone, too? Oh, 100%. And it, it makes me laugh so much because, like, again, my grandfather was the only guy with three... He was the only guy with three daughters and a wife, and he was also the oldest, and he had three younger sisters. So I always just, like, laugh at his experience, like, how his experience of the world is just, like, very, very specific, and I thought about him a little bit watching this movie. Um, He's a lot nicer than this guy, I will say. I don't think he'd leave my grandmother. Um, But, like, (laughs) just him being so fed up and just being like, I want to be alone. I was like, it's so relatable. (laughs) Like, I just want to be alone. I love that the mom tries to hit that one lady with a car. Oh my god, it's so good. The mom, the poor mom, just she's trying. She's just she's. Um, honey, you should. Can you go sleep on the couch? The lawyer said it wouldn't be a good idea for you to sleep in bed with me. <laughs> god, God, it's so good. 
I love it. Yeah. Oh, I, love I don't know it. why. I don't know that their story needed to be in there. Um, but I didn't mind it. I didn't think it was boring. Oh. Of all of them, I guess it's the most boring. But I didn't think it was like. I, I liked having it in there, though, because I think it, one, is a nice kind of juxtaposition between all of the craziness. And also, like, so showing that. 40 years into a marriage when you're older you still don't have your shit figured out you're still not happy you still haven't like gotten your shit together like i think it's an important thing to have in terms of like a lot of these people are like middle-aged adults and it's like oh no like even people who have been around like 70 80 years still are having these problems so i think that was like a crucial kind of a crucial thing in like the thesis of the movie in terms of what it means to find acquire happiness yeah for sure I also just like that it's like there is always still time for you to be miserable. <laughs> <laughs> like normally when you see one of these kinds of movies it's like the parents they've been together for 40 years they're so in love and this one is like no he's sick of it. <laughs> it's like like actually when you think about spending 40 years with someone you're like is that something I want to do? And Todd Solondz is like, no, you don't. Because that sounds like a fucking nightmare. Shout out to that man I'm marrying in like a month and a half. I know. I'm, I just saw, I'm like, should I say this to marry Beth right now? No, it's funny. It's it's funny. <laughs> Me making I, a speech at your wedding. Like, are you sure you want to be with someone for 40 years? We watched a movie called Happiness. Do you remember that man <laughs> I just, like, pull out a PowerPoint. (laughs) View this couple. (laughs) There's still time. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wow. Um, so, okay, so that's that that fucked up family. We'll go back to that fucked up family in a second, but let's talk about Alan, played by the legendary Philip Seymour Hoffman. Rest in peace, King. My favorite actor. I'm so sad. I love him. He's... So good in everything he's in. Like, he's so good in this movie in playing the most weirdo, incel, boring man on the planet. Mouth breather. Mouth breather. Like, he, even at the beginning of the movie, talking to Bill, who is his psychiatrist slash therapist, talking about how he is like, I know I'm boring. Like, people look at me and go, that's a boring person. And then Bill is, like, listing off all the things he has to do with his day. And it's just like, God, this guy is so (laughs) self-aware. And yet he is still so boring. Yeah. And, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman, to me, is, like, it's so funny because he's such an, he's, like, not a boring character or a boring person at all, but he's so good at playing this character as, like, a schlubby man who, like, he is, he basically, his whole shtick is he goes into the phone book and calls people and says weird shit, like, and jerks off while, like, harassing them on the phone, but in person he can't even make eye contact. So he's, like... He's, he is the pre-incel on the internet trolling people, but instead he has a fucking phone book, which I was like, man, a 1998 movie with a fucking phone book. Incredible. That he's just, like, <laughs> crossing things off in the phone book. 10 out of 10. 1998 representation. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, he's, like, going through the phone book, calling every number, and if a man picks up, he crosses out the number. <laughs> that's so... That's so- yeah, um, uh, Alan, what a gem. He's so horrible. He's, like, vile. 
He's so loved, and you want to be on his side. You're like, oh no, Alan, you'll yes. find love. And then he starts being like a total creep, and you're like, never mind. You. It's like I want to pound you so hard, you come out of your ears, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I was like, look, I don't want to yuck your yum, but like you're like very, you're telling a lot of strange women about that on the phone. It's kind of weird, dude. dude and like did, at your, they didn't consent to it. No, I'm like, at your place of work, you're doing that, too? Like... <laughs> oh, that got me, too. I'm like, they're probably monitoring those calls, right? Like, he's, like, calling... Like, that's how he calls Helen. He's just like, the fucking pound your pussy, fucking bitch. And I'm just like, good lord! Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I, wish, <laughs> I wish we could do the mouth breather, like, way he's saying it, too. But I... You wanna... You wanna... You wanna fucking pussy? Here, you wet? You <laughs> fucking <laughs> wet right now? <laughs> Are you so fucking wet? I'm gonna cut you. Fucking say you're gonna come out of your ears. Come. (laughs) 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 Have fun listening back to it, editing it. (laughs) I know. I'm so sorry, everyone. I'm not. I should have told her to do an accent. I, what yeah, was like, I thinking? I was gonna say like you. You open that up. Like (laughs) I'll do it. You say. Oh God! <laughs> you're gonna your pussy. You're gonna, you're gonna come. You see, I'm so wet. <laughs> it's Ew. so funny. It's so funny when he's describing his fantasy to um, Bill, like in his session, because he's like, "Oh my God, I, I wanna." I think about like fucking her so hard that um, I my dick comes out of her mouth and she like comes out of her ears or something, and then he's like. Not that I could actually do that. <laughs> oh, you fucking idiot. If you could, no. that would be, there would be a lot of questions if you could do that. No. And, and like, this, this, like, and there's, like, no indication that this man has ever actually had penetrative sex before. And, like, this is not shaming him for that, but, like, it is, there, there's a vibe that he has never had sex. To, to me, I got that vibe that he has never had yeah. sex before. Yeah, you totally get the vibe he hasn't. And he, so there are actually indications that he hasn't because okay remind me so i wanted to talk about how he relates to christina a little bit but maybe we can talk about her yeah we can start moving towards that though for sure okay well i'll just say this so he like there are several times when christina comes to his door and obviously wants to talk to him she also invites him to like the playoff games and he rejects her every time. He totally dismisses her every time. Like, barely even listens to her. And is just, like, trying to harry her up. He's like, yeah, what do you want? What do you want? Like, stuff like that. Um, and it's so sad, because then she walks... We see her walking away from his door and ripping up the tickets. So, it's oh. like, obviously, she just bought them so that Alan would go with her, but he won't. He... It, it's just interesting in true, like, in self-fashion. He totally dismisses her, Based on, like, how he looked, how she looks, I guess. Yes! I was gonna bring this up. Yep. And, uh, he complains, I I think it's him, he complains about that with Helen. He's like, well, Helen doesn't even know I exist, or, and stuff like that. And it's like, you're doing the same fucking thing to Christina, you know? I was thinking that. I'm like, you're completely dismissing a woman who, like, is obviously very interested in you, and you're not, and you're dismissing her because of the way she looks. Like, Christina is a fat woman. Um, She isn't, like, you know, she's not, she doesn't look like Helen. But she's very, like, she's sweet, and I think she's cute. 
whatever. She, but, like, she's made out to be, like, this childish fat girl character who, like, is very different from Helen and he could never possibly, like, be into her because she's not hot. Yeah. I didn't even think about this, but they're, like, polar opposites almost. Like, Helen yeah. versus Christina. Helen's very petite and, like, um, has, like, this brooding, like, mysterious beauty about her, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's Lara from Boyle. So, in yeah. like, Twin Peaks time. So, imagine that. And then, like, you know, and she's got, like, the angular face. She's very, like, dressed, like, fashionably. And then Christina is tall. She's so tall. She's so tall. She's heavy set. She she dresses kind of how, how I would describe, like, Mormon. And she... Is that mean to say? She dresses very conservatively. Well, yeah. She dresses like Miss Honey from Matilda. Yeah, like long skirts. Yeah, like long floral skirts. Like she kind of was just like an art teacher a little bit. And like a, like kind of a, again, it's conservative. It's flower. It's just like very like 90s kid outfits. Yeah, like scrunchy in her very yeah. long hair. As opposed and she's to Helen like, who has like a short angular. And she's trying to hide her body. You know what I mean? Like the stuff she wears isn't form fitting. She's trying to hide her body and while Helen's stuff is form-fitting because she wants to show off her body like they are very very different in that represent like in their representations for a lot of reasons and I mean like Christina's Christina's got a is very sweet but then we also learn that that bitch ain't that sweet but for good reason like good it's like, like a good for her like, <laughs> like she tries so hard to go on a date with this guy she like has these tickets she's like trying to find a way like, i love that the way she gets is has an end to talking to alan is her is the murder that she committed <laughs> you know what i mean like like the yeah. reason she, she just talking keeps to going alan, over to give him yeah, updates she's like hey uh we're like collecting money for the funeral for our front doorman who died and then like it, she reveals she fucking killed him because he raped her and i'm like much later wait, on. <laughs> much later. Like, wait a second. Hold on a second. You use the murder you committed after you were raped to get the attention of your neighbor? What the fuck? Like, that is so deeply fucked up. I'm obsessed. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? I got the impression, though, that she had tried to talk to him many times before. Oh. Oh, I know. Like, she I'm was just... just that neighbor who knocks and was like, hey, oh. did you hear about this? Oh, for sure. I just think it's funny regardless that that she one of the one of the ways that she goes to talk to him because like he wouldn't have known about it like she keeps bringing it up and she I, yeah and she he doesn't acted, even care no he's like who i don't he doesn't know like and this also goes to like the fact that people don't care about front door people and like classism and all that but you know like he's like who is he like who it's like it's pedro the night guy the night doorman he's like oh i think i remember who he is like has no recollection of this guy and she's just like, yeah, his penis was gone, or his penis was cut off, or something. And he's like, what? Yeah, that's the only, that's the only time he gives a shit about the story. He even does it later in the diner when she's uh-huh. confessing. So she's like telling him everything that happened. And he's like, so was his penis gone? <laughs> like, it's I like, love dude, that is my favorite. Like, and so, <clears throat> so he basically. Alan and Helen end up meeting up and she's like oh Jesus that's who you are you're not my type and he's like fucking shit I don't know how to be around women in person and then as soon as he's rejected he knocks on Christina's door 
Like, immediately yeah, he when he walks out. And that makes me so sad. Not for him, but for Christina. You know of what I mean? Course. Like, it's just so yeah. fucking sad in, like, having her be the, guy, the person that someone settles for. And it just... I know. I, I don't know. It's just fucking... It's not, like, anything new. But it's, like, of course, like, the fat girl character is, like relegated to this role of like getting like settling for but then also at the same time she like is like the fucking badass bitch and like maybe i sh- maybe badass oh, bitch is not like the words to use about someone who kills a man but like she just she she snaps his neck by ha- like that is my favorite so okay let me set the scene here because this was like <laughs> you're making it po- worse i'm sorry i am i really am so this whole scene is, like, one of my favorites of the entire movie. Because he's like, do you want to go on a date? They go dancing. It's really cute. They're at a diner. And she's like, so I have the confession to make. And I was like, oh, no, it's happening. And then she just, like, goes on this story about how she killed Pedro because Pedro rapes her. And and said, and she fucking breaks his neck with her bare hands after he rapes her. And she goes, but I pretended to really like it so he'd get close to me. And then I broke his neck. And I was like, I'm sorry. What? And then she's like, yeah. And then I cut him into pieces. He's been in my freezer, like, all for a couple months. And I just take him out one by one. And I'm just like, I was ma'am, th- ma'am, this is, a, this, is, this is a Waffle House. Like, <laughs> and I then was she, legit and then crying. She, <laughs> but then, the be- okay, this is my favorite part. She... The whole thing is that she's excited. He asks her for a bowl of ice cream and then rapes her. And then she orders a bowl of the same ice cream with hot fudge on at the at the diner. And <laughs> While she's telling the Sunday. story. <laughs> I was like, this is absolutely genius. Like, what is happening? I am so obsessed with this moment. And she, at this moment, she also reveals that she doesn't, she thinks sex is gross. Like, she is very doesn't say asexual but she's like i don't understand why people like sex like i don't want someone inside of me i think it's disgusting and meanwhile he's like all i want to do is pound a woman until cum comes out of her ears i was like oh it seems to me like um that was her first sexual experience yes yes which is so uh, oh that's how we got here. I forgot to say the evidence. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Alex. Oops. Um, whoops. Uh, just, well, we're at that part now. Um, he gets in bed with Christina, and she gets under the covers, and she's in her <laughs> nightgown. And then he gets on top of the covers, fully clothed in a whole suit, including his shoes. Shoes! And glasses. Like, I don't think he even takes his glasses off. I think he, he does take his glasses off. Oh, okay. Like, get your dirty shoes off my bed. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wonder, anyway, I wonder if that being her first sexual experience is why she's like, I don't know why people, like, want to have sex and yeah. thinking about people inside me is gross. Like, I, mean, I wonder if she thought that before that. Yeah. I mean, incredibly valid if that is her reaction, because Jesus Christ, it's, like, very valid. I mean, it's... It's implied violence, though. I will say, again, like, this movie is very violent, but you don't see a lot of violence, which I think we talked about with Welcome to the Dollhouse, too, where it's like, a lot of very violent things happen to people, but they don't show it on screen. Right. They talk about it really in depth so that you can visualize it. Which is disgusting. 
I hate that. And I mean that, and, like, I think it's awesome, but I hate it. Because it's just, like, I don't want, my imagination's fucked. Like, don't let me have, don't let me access that. (laughs) Yeah, I go back and forth on stuff like that. But, um, I think Salons does it really well. And especially in this movie, where I think that's needed, because it's, even just the dialogue and, like, the talking about things is too much. (laughs) So I think it would have been way worse if it's really anything. It's really, it's. It's just, it's really incredible how he writes dialogue to be so descriptive that you're like, I'm so glad you didn't show this to me. Like, I don't know how you would, like, I don't want the sun any other way. And it's both horrifying and really impressive. Like, his yeah. writing skills are just, it's it's quite impressive, it, it, to put it lightly. Like, it's wild. Agreed. Yeah, he, like, shows enough, uh, like, things leading up to it, like, looks and, and shit like that, but... Um, the actual violence, at least in these movies, he doesn't show, and I think that's good. And it is really funny. His writing is incredible, and I think part of why he's so good at writing, like, awkward, cringy dialogue is, I think that's just how he talks. Like, if you listen to interviews, it's like, what is going on here? <laughs> is he ju- Is he just, like, a weird, is he just, like, a weirdo? He actually, okay, (laughs) he kind of reminds me of how Alan talks. (laughs) Oh, okay. Not mouth breathing, but just like, like kind of dumb. A little bit boring. Oh. But but also just awkward. Like every interview I've seen of him, he's like, um, blah 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 blah. uh, blah." Like you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Like, he's just kind of, like, a dude. Like, an awkward dude. He's a dude being a bro, being a guy. Being a guy. He's, like, he's just, I think that he's a little bit awkward, that's all. Good for you. Like, I don't think he acts like Alan or anything like that. I just mean, like, he's socially awkward, and I think that it helps him write these really socially awkward characters in these very cringy movies. Yeah. Well, but again, while also giving them, like, making them endearing and sympathetic. Like, Alan is disgusting, but, like, part of you wants to almost, almost sympathize, like, sympathize them a little bit. Like, you're so, you're a lonely weirdo, and, like, this is how you've kind of figured out how to get your rocks off. And it's fucked up, and there's no apologizing for it, but we see a little bit more about you. And I think again, and I wanted to, and I think it's, we can start moving into Bill because I think what I was really kind of disgusted by, and, and I mean that positively, is how much, how endearing this creepy pedophile was in this movie. Like, not endearing, but like these moments of sympathy for him that aren't ever, ever, ever excusing his actions, but like making him a fascinating character. They're just full characters. They're yeah. human beings. Like, I don't want to word this to make anyone think that's like, oh, wow, I understand him. Because, like, he's a full, like, there is no, and again, the movie doesn't try to make him anything but a deplorable person. Like, he is disgusting. Like, there's no excusing anything he does, but he is a full character. Like, there's more going on than just being like, look at this fucking pedophile. It's like, look at this fucking pedophile and all this other weird shit going on around him and, like, all the other weird intricacies of his life that, like, he has to revolve around like he has to work around while also hiding this like disgusting secret about himself 
And Dylan Baker plays Bill Maplewood, and I tweeted this earlier. I love Dylan Baker. He's an amazing character actor, but he needs to go to prison after playing this character. <laughs> when I read that, I was like, don't take my line. <laughs> I, you you gave it to You did this to me. You gave me, put, put him in prison, and now I'm... <laughs> tweeting it because he he's too good at it i hate it it's so gross i know i know he's so good in that role and everything like he's such a good he's so good in everything and he plays a really good creepy guy and he look like he's got such a distinctive face too this movie does something that i love when movies do which is it has like all character actors like there's no like leading person and i love that because they're all so fucking great. Like, even just yes. Christina, who isn't even a main character. She's oh, played I by, loved her. Um, Cameron Manheim. Yes. Incredible. I love her in everything I've ever she's seen her in. Just... And she's always a side character. Um, she's in one of my very favorite movies of all time. Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. <laughs> uh-huh. Love her. This, but this is like the thing with this movie too is like you said there's no one star it's everyone turning out and stealing every scene like there is like mm-hmm. there are a couple moments obviously that I think really stick out and Christina has one of them her monologue at the diner like oh, all of these characters are given these incredibly awesome and awful times to shine and it's incredible because then you're like I love this performance this character is disgusting but like I can appreciate what the actor is doing to make this character more than just a deplorable monster but a deplorable monster with like a little bit more going on besides just being like a one-dimensional fucked up person like yeah it's not like a batman character no like you know this is yeah this is a this is a pedophile and he's a really gross pedophile and he's even grosser because we give you all of this insight into his life and like the way he does things and because we're given more access and complexity and is in more complexity he's somehow even more fucked up in my head and just like what he does because I mean like this guy goes to PTA he has three young kids he's married obviously to Trish like you know he has the life but then we see him buying like a teen magazine like a teen boy magazine and jerking off in the car what a mom is putting her kids in the car next to him yeah absolutely like fucking just what a way to introduce this character this character like jesus christ and it's also like even just in his therapy sessions you can see that he's just a varied person he's not like completely evil or whatever like with alan we see you know he's not the most attentive and he's like thinking about his own life and you're like oh you piece of shit and then later on we see him give very, like, sound advice a couple different times where, like, um, Johnny Grasso's father wants to hire him a sex worker to make him yeah. not gay. He's too young. And, he's too and old. He's, he's too like, old. He's too old. He's... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, the, the dad is... Well, Dylan Baker's character, um, he's like, um, he's 11. <laughs> and the dad is like, you're right, it's too late. I know. It's, oh, it's up. And that's, oh, so, that's the thing. It's like, and like when, when, when Bill is spacing out, it's not like thinking about being a creep. It's like, I got to get milk. I got to reschedule my dentist appointment. Like we're not immediately placed into the head of a pedophile. We're like, because bef- before we know this, like he is just a therapist spacing out because this guy is so boring. So like, we're yeah. just, you know, 
And then these ask, and I think, again, that's what makes this movie so incredible is that like these things are introduced quickly, but not quickly enough that that's the only part of that, that character's identity. We get just enough like flavor for them as a person. And then we see like, oh, this is their deep, dark, fucked up secret. Like, oh, Jesus. Um, which I think, again, like gives us more of a layered look at these characters because like, I will say, okay, so, uh, okay, let me just go into these things with Bill that I really want to talk about because I mentioned earlier how Salons makes the awkward even more uncomfortable and these conversations that Bill Maplewood has with his son, Billy, made me want to fucking throw my computer against a wall. Because I was so deeply upset and uncomfortable. Like, those scenes to me were the worst They're in the, the entire worst. movie. They are yeah. the worst. And, like, fucking kudos to the two of them for being able to do that. Like, one, for that kid to be able to have these conversations. And two, for Dylan Baker. Like, I would, I was Dylan Baker. I'm taking a fucking shower every time. So, like, okay. I think there are... Just to, just to um, real quick clarify. I think possibly in the very last one the last conversation with them where um his <laughs> father's con- instead yeah where his father's confessing that he liked raping those kids i think that that was filmed in a way where that kid was not actually in the same room with him okay i thought i had a, i had a feel i had a vibe i'm not about, 100% I, sure but that's what that's how it looks to me where it looks cutting. like yeah, they cut them together because I, there's that's not there's no way. And so, then you watch if if you yeah. watch it, you'll see it it goes back and forth between their faces. Yeah. I think that's why. So yeah. I just want to say I I don't think that like Todd Salons has like scarred this child. Yeah. So like we start off. So there's these, there's a couple of these conversations between Bill and his son Billy that kind of like are these pivotal moments I think in the movie and it's these moments these incredibly deeply awkward moments about talking about like you know sex but sex so sex conversations with sex conversations with your parents if you've ever had one they are the most uncomfortable on the planet I've had it I hate it the end they are inherently uncomfortable have you I have I thought that wasn't real what that people talk to people's parents about <laughs> oh steve's parents never talked about it either like it's not like it's just my mom this is so weird my mom was like very wa- really wanted to give me the sex talk and i didn't want to have it because i didn't want to talk about it and so like, she forced me to have the sex talk and it was the most uncomfortable experience of my entire yeah. life um so yeah, so no, like I and like my friend, my friend uh, came home one day and her parents had placed a book about sex on her pillow and like never mentioned it again. <laughs> so, so like, regardless, th- these moments in terms of like addressing sex as a young person with your parents is always a nightmare. Like there is never, unless you're a freak of nature with your parents, congratulations to you. But like it's a, it is almost inher- like almost universally awkward. Todd Salons makes it the worst conversation I've ever, like, I've ever seen. So, like, Dylan Baker and his son, Dylan Baker, I mean, Bill, their, his son comes in and is, like, so depressed because he can't come. <laughs> and he, and he's, like, 
He doesn't even know what it is. He he's like pretending he's like, Dad, what, that he has. like, Dad, what is come? Like, what is it? Like, what does it mean to come? Or like, what does come mean? And like, at first, at first, you want to be like, okay, kudos to this guy of like trying to be honest with your kid about masturbation. Like, and this is this is a very fleeting, fleeting moment because you know at this point this guy's a creep. He's like, well, yeah, yeah, you know, it happened when milky su- substance comes out of your comes out of you. Like, have you, and then he's like, have you ever been erect? And starts asking him all these questions and then goes, do you want me to demonstrate for you? To his son. And I was like, oh no. Oh no. So, one, but it's you are. like in such a clinical way. It's, it's not like a so creeper. Weird. It is a creeper way, but like not. Like, it's like. It's, it's such a weird moment because it's like, he's already yeah, been established as being a pedophile. Because you've seen him jerk off with the magazine. So you already are like, oh my god, is this guy gonna fuck his kid? Like, that immediately is, like, setting off alarm bells in my head. And I was like, oh no. Help us all, Jesus Christ. Like, this is where this is going. Um, And, like, it's, like, it's this weird balance of, like, a guy trying to have a conversation with his son, but also being so extremely disgustingly inappropriate with his son. And it's done, like you said, in such a weirdly clinical, like, recitation of the lines that it's just so deeply awkward and uncomfortable and this happens multiple times in terms of like okay then billy comes back and talks about the size of a penis and he's like dad i bet you have the biggest penis of them all the widest penis of them all because it's talking about how width is what matters because it makes it more intense and like these really meanwhile he's raping his kids classmates And he he roofies his whole family so he can molest the friend Johnny. He makes everyone hot fudge sundaes and puts what I'm assuming is Rhypnol in the in the fudge, puts it on all the ice cream. Everyone eats it except for Johnny and they fall asleep. And he's like, well, he's like, Johnny, it, this is, it's so, it, I laughed and I felt so bad for laughing because he's like, oh, well, can I get you anything? Can I get you, like, grape high seat? I'll go get it out. And the, the mom is like, why are you going to go leave? It's late. And he's like, anything? I'll have a tuna salad sandwich. And like, he, that it's made just, me laugh really it's hard. just so fucking funny. Everyone falls asleep and then he's creepily trying to get this kid to eat the, this, the tuna salad sandwich. And the most, like, predatory situation of, like, the most disgusting coming on scenario. Like, it's just agonizing. Because you know what he's going to do. And it just won't end. And I was just like, I'm going to peel off my skin. Like, this is disgusting. So, thanks, Todd Salons, for that. Because, like, oh, it's just, it's an agonizing watching him trying to get this kid to eat it so he can rape him. It's so, it's terrible. It's terrible. And the whole time you're like, do not eat that sandwich. You're like, don't kid, eat the sandwich. Kid, don't eat the fucking sandwich. Just go to sleep. Just go to bed. Like, don't, but don't, don't go to sleep. Like, don't go to bed. Jesus Christ. True. Like, please yeah. don't. And what, again, what Todd Salons is, does amazingly here is he, the kid takes a bite of the sandwich and then goes. He pauses. He pauses and he's like, wow, this is actually really good. And then yeah, you think he's going to be like, what is this chalky undertaste? Yeah, he's just like, this is really good. And then it cuts the next morning. And it is obviously 
implied that Bill had sex with a child, but they never show it. Um, which, like, thank God, I think. And he's also, like, he's, like, being more, um, loving towards Trish and stuff, which is, like, yeah, they wake up in the morning cuddling, and she's, like, I've never slept so good in my life, like, what's fuck, blah, 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 blah. And well, then he wise he and says that they had sex. Yes. Yes, he does. She's like, oh, like, I don't remember. It's just so gross. And then the next morning, he, like the kid is like, I don't feel so good. And then vomits. <laughs> and he takes him home. And it's just like, it's just so gross. The way like this kid's innocence is so taken advantage of by this character. And like, you're seeing it entirely from the perspective of, Bill, so like you're in the shoes of a pedophile, which is deeply disturbing to be in that like subject position because you know, obviously, um, and it just gets worse. Like <laughs> he continues to have these conversations with his son that are deeply uncomfortable, but you're at the same time. It's just like it's again. It's like you're talking to your son about these things, but I really think that you should not ever talk to a child ever again. And then he goes and rapes his 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 other classmate. Yeah, it's like during a talk with Billy, his son, and Billy is like, "Well, Ronald Farber's parents are away, and they let him stay home by himself." And as soon as he says that, you're like, <gasps> and, then, and then it cuts to and then it cuts to Bill, and you can see that like the wheels are turning in his brain and it's just so fucking gross you're just like i know what you're gonna do and it's so nasty and then he's like oh i'll go to the pta meeting and then fucking goes to the farber house where no one is and again you just see him pulling up to the house but there's no like yelling there's no like kind of nodding at the kids suffering you just know it's happening you know like there's no like screaming or like like muffled or any of that he just pulls up to the house and you're like i know exactly what the fuck is about to happen and i'm so fucking disgusted it's extra gross like too because when it cuts to him driving he's like calling 411 and asking like to find this address because he doesn't know where the kid lives oh my god i know i was like this is a terrifying time. Like, God, the internet's terrifying. Yeah, isn't that just, so scary? You just fucking called and they gave <laughs> the address. Just... Like, Jesus Christ, that's horrific. Yeah. Like, it's so terrible. And then we have, with Bill, we kind of start having the discovery of, like, again, and we read the synopsis, like, the cops come because his par- Johnny's parents take him to the hospital and the cops are like, like it's very much like we're coming in as they've realized like something like this kid was molested. Like there's no like because he sees he sees blood in his poop, and he feels like sh- and he feels like terrible. So his mom's like they ends up at the hospital and they're like, oh yeah, you were raped. And the dad they don't say that. But the dad goes, you were raped. And it's the dad that was like talking about getting him a sex worker to like make him not gay. And I'm just like, wow. And again, like, it's a small moment in your head, but it's just, like, now this dad is, like, having to confront that reality from a lot of different angles. But we know, like, from the discussion that they had, the parents had at that, like, whatever, pizza, whatever place, like, you can just tell that this is burning the dad's ass, not in terms of feeling bad for his kid, but being embarrassed that his kid, like, sees it as gay. You know what I mean? Like, 
that he's raped by a man. Obviously, never said, but from what we we already know about that character from that very brief interaction, we can already kind of like, like already kind of infer that like this guy is embarrassed for his son because he was raped by a man. Mm-hmm. Which is like ten layers of fucked up, no matter how we look at it. But this poor fucking kid is just like I don't know. Like he just is acting so like he's just a fucking ten year old kid. Know. He didn't even know because he was drugged. Yeah, he didn't even know. Like it's it's so sick. Like, I feel so gross even talking about it. But like, it's... which is so crazy, right? Because like I mean, he probably would have figured it out eventually when he got older. But what if his dad had never said that? Would he just like not have known? Um, yeah, it's. I mean. That's a wild SVU episode that I saw before where people didn't know and then they were told and they were like, why would you tell me? Oof, Jesus Christ. Um, anyway, moving on from that. Um, Bill, just to break this part up a little bit, Bill actually has one of the only actually violent scenes. Like, real violence. And I'm surprised that the um synopsis didn't talk about it he has a recurring dream of committing a yes mass murder in a park where he brings it's like this beautiful spring day and he walks up with like an ak-47 or something and just starts shooting everybody and he's talking to his psychiatrist about it and he mentions that at the end this time he didn't shoot himself which is very interesting because that means, I guess, he doesn't want to die anymore. He just wants to hurt everybody else. He's, he's like, a psychopath for sure. Yeah, and, like, and, and so I guess I forgot to note that he, that, that, like, mass shooting fantasy happens before we even know he's a pedophile. Yeah. So all we know is I'm he's sure. a psychopath. Yeah, like, he's already, it's, like, it's already set up, like, he's gonna, like, this is a fantasy of him, like, shooting up a park and just being really happy about it. And then, after that, he goes to buy the magazine, and you're just like, what is this guy's deal? Like, this guy needs prison. Again, like, once again, this man needs to go to jail. (laughs) I think he lies to his therapist, too, um, or his psychiatrist, because the psychiatrist asks how his, like, sex life is with his wife, and... Um, Bill says, well, she's not interested either, so there's really not a problem. Yeah. So you get the feeling that he's, like, lying to his psychiatrist that, um, his wife doesn't care about sex, which she obviously does because she asks him about it at certain points. Yeah. And then it's, like, he's also lying, like, obviously his therapist doesn't know that he's a pedophile. This guy does not strike me as the kind of person who would be very forthcoming with that information, even to a therapist. No. Um, but I do want to talk about um, a scene that I should not have laughed at, um, but I did, because I'm fucked. And it's, this hor- it's the horrendous final scene with Bill and Billy, where Billy is like, Dad, did you do it? And his dad is like, yeah, and I liked it, and I'd do it again. And I was like, Jesus, sometimes you can lie to your kids. But... When he's already like the kids are already getting emotional, and oh God, I know what you're gonna say, d- Dad. Like, would you have fucked me? And the dad says, "No, I jerk off instead." And the kid starts sobbing. I started laughing 
And I know that it's terrible, but there is just something so disgustingly melodramatic about that moment and also like deeply fucked up and darkly funny about a kid being upset that his dad wouldn't rape him. Like, it's... I sound like a psycho trying to explain why I laughed at this. No, I don't think you do. I think that that's a divisive moment. I think there probably are a lot of people who laugh. I actually, that was one of the only scenes I didn't laugh. Oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> because I, I think it, I think him, like Billy crying is supposed to be funny. And I think that, because... Okay, so throughout all of their talks, um, Bill and Billy, Billy is comparing himself to his classmates and saying, I'm not normal, there's something wrong with me, they all have, like, come and I can't. I, and, like, 11 inch penises. <laughs> yeah, like, um, and so in this part where his dad is like, yes, I raped your classmates, but I wouldn't rape you. I that's like another like weird comparison with his classmates where he's like, well, what's wrong with me? Like you know, um, so fun, which is which is really sick. But I think that's what that is. So it is supposed to be funny. I think, um, but I I personally like it's not that I didn't laugh. Like oh, I'm offended. I was just like, this is so sad because i know and i think that was just like a combination of emotions happening where i started laughing i was like i don't know what i'm supposed to be feeling right now because it's so much like i jerk off instead and you're like that's so disgusting and then the kid starts sobbing because obviously he's upset that his dad wouldn't rape him and i'm just like what is happening in this movie like there (laughs) it's just it's like at the very end so much has happened like fucking christina has murdered somebody alan is just jerking off to everyone and anyone joy has been swindled by a russian man who drives a taxi cab it's just like so many things have happened and this is like the pinnacle of just the most fucked up shit like this conversation between father and son and you're just like this is vile and i don't know what to do so i just started laughing because I was just like, this is incredible. Like, if, like I don't know how he, like, how Todd Salon said this. And so, it's just like, it's, I can't even, I can't even, like, describe the emotions at that moment. I, I did yell at, like, 1.30 in the morning when my uh, fiancé was trying to go to sleep. Because I was like, what is happening? What is happening in this moment? <laughs> and I, it doesn't, it does not end here. But it ends on the best line of the entire movie. Well, just real quick. We, we, we won't go. That, we won't go there. Yeah, we won't go there yet. But yeah, before yeah. we get to that, I think that um, we can kind of see what's happening with Billy. I think that the fact that his name, his name is Billy, yeah. indicates that he's gonna be like his dad. Yep. I think that's what that is. He's gonna have weird s- sexual stuff and probably be like his dad. Maybe that's not accurate. Maybe that was just like. Of course, the guy in the suburbs has, like, a child named Billy Jr. Like, you know, it could definitely be that. Um, But, like, all of those talks that they had and, you know, this talk about the the rapes, I think that we might be able to see how, like, Billy is going to turn out similar to his dad or similar to Alan because let's not like gloss over this when he actually does um finally like 
he's able to ejaculate, it's because he's jerking off to an unknowing, like, woman who's just, like, at the pool. Like, yeah, like, in her bathing uh, suit. Yeah, she's in her bathing suit at the pool outside of his grandparents' condo. So it's, like, it's not, like, like, you know what I mean? That's, like, not consensual. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, like, okay, yeah, he's jerking off about, like, maybe a more age-appropriate, but not at all in a consensual way. Like, it's still disgusting assault that, like, you're creepily watching this girl and getting off. And it just, like, is this, again, this, like, cycle. It's seeing this cycle of trauma and how this kid is getting pulled right into... And Because we don't know what happened to Bill at all, like, as a, as a child. We don't know, like, if there were... Like, there's no, like, explanation given. Like, he's just a pedophile. So we don't know if there's, like, a cycle that Billy's falling into, but as, well, from what we know about, like, mental health and cycles of abuse and trauma, like, it's not uncommon for people to fall back into those, to fall into those cycles. And in this moment of assault, he's able to come. Like, he, he ejaculates and he walks into the kitchen as the family is eating dinner, the family being Joy, Helen, Trish, and their parents after talking about plastic bags and dating, he just walks in and goes, I came. And he's, like, crying. And the movie ends. And they're all like, what the And they're all like, what the fuck are you talking about? And it ends. It's the best. It's the best. Like, what the fuck? Oh, oh, the dog! The dog! I forgot about the dog! Oh, Oh, it's just drip. It's just the dripping off the railing and the dog licks it and licks the mom's face and I was like you didn't have to do that but you did you just yeah, you added you that little that. you just added that little flourish it's like a final kind of kick to the stomach I feel like oh, and I'm like God. well and I love that at that dinner Helen is trying to hook up Joy and Alan oh my god I know I was like <laughs> I love it full circle because we didn't mention but Alan at the beginning of the movie called like randomly calls Joy's parents' house. Joy picks up, thinks it's somebody that she's being set up with, and it's him jerking off, <laughs> asking what her panties look like. But then later on, after Helen rejects him, she does actually try to hook them up, and Joy's so excited, and we know that he's already, like, violated her in that way. It's so weird. And that he's like, we know how he is, and just, like, ugh. But also, did he... This is never answered, but Christina, like, gets arrested. We don't see it, but Helen mentions that Christina gets arrested for murder. Did he snitch? Do I don't think? I don't know. I don't know, actually. I never, I didn't think about that. Because like, I thought, it, I thought I more about like... him getting implicated in the crime because he knew about it and didn't tell anybody. But maybe he did snitch. I wouldn't be surprised. But, but I hadn't thought about that. Because in the movie kind of implies that they begin dating when he gets rejected by Helen but then Christina gets like uh, arrested for murder so it's like well somebody talked and it wasn't Pedro yeah (laughs) it's true (laughs) so who was it somebody talked I know I mean maybe it was him that makes sense oh what a piece of shit <laughs> Fuck you, Alan. You're a little shit. <laughs> so, this 
Yeah. Wow. What a so film. I liked it. I loved it. I really loved it. Um, I. It's so funny. So I watched this last night. We're, we are currently recording this on a Tuesday. I watched this last night, Monday night at 11.30 p.m., ended at 2. Could not fall asleep because it was just like I had brain worms about this movie because I could not stop thinking about it. I had a, a, an interview today with the director of Speak No Evil. His name is Christian Hofdrup. And this is a movie coming out on uh, Shudder coming up. And the movie is like very much a social satire about and like making people uncomfortable. And I started thinking about happiness and Speak No Evil. They're very, very different. But like there is a similarity in terms of like taboos and extremity and kind of like pushing the bounds of what people are used to watching like in, in, in cinema. And I was like, so I just watched Happiness by Todd Swans. And the direct and Christian goes, Thank you for comparing my movie to Todd Salons. Not one person has 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 compared it, has compared my work to him, and he is my main inspiration. So then we talked about Todd Salons. Ah, no way. <laughs> because I finally watched this fucking movie. So, and then after the interview ended, the PR guy was like, uh, I'm so glad you talked about happiness. And it, this movie, I'm never going to unsee it. And then we all talked about happiness again for another, like, five minutes. <laughs> I love that. That rule. My influence. <laughs> Your influence and like this fucked up movie bringing people together. <laughs> and the, the PR guy told me that he watched it in high school for a class. Like his teacher made him watch it. I'm like, that teacher should be in jail. Once again, the, the prison the list teacher, is building. <laughs> the teacher is definitely in jail. <laughs> the way you said this movie bringing us all together, I was like, Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> I'm gonna make my family watch with watch with this with me at Christmas. <laughs> the perfect family movie. There's a family, family, and it's a movie. It's about family, and it's a movie. It's perfect. Oh my god! I don't think like I. I think this is a rare instance where I don't know if I'll ever watch this movie again. Why do you? I think. So I I went into this movie expecting a lot of fucked up stuff. I didn't look anything up. I wanted I this is another rare instance of me not knowing. I knew I knew there was pedophilia, but I didn't under like didn't know to the extent. Didn't look up this movie because I I didn't want to know. Like I wanted to, you know, watch it and experience it on my own without knowing things. And I'm glad I did because like it, it is it's a shocking movie. Like again, I we talk about how we watch a lot of shocking shit, but like this really got under my skin. And mm-hmm. I mean, like obviously the pet, like the pet, it's the it's pedophilia, but it's like the detailed nature of how he goes into like pedophilia, and it's the detailed nature of cruelty and the detailed nature, like it's just so such ordinary people capable of such horrendous things, and I think it's just so deeply uncomfortable. I don't, I don't know if I could make myself watch the whole thing again. I, I. I would I wouldn't say no to it because I think it's a beautifully done movie. I think it's incredible, but I just think like this is an instance where the subject matter, while I can watch movies about it, this just like pushes it to a place where I'm like, I'm glad I saw it, but I don't think I ever need to experience it again. Personally. That's very interesting. Given your love of like rape revenge. But I yeah. understand. But yeah, I, I but do I think understand they- though. It's, like, this thing, though, with, like, rape revenge, to me, there's catharsis, and there's no catharsis here for me. Like, watching this movie, there's no catharsis. And I love, again, I love that. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's draining to watch. Like, this movie is exhausting to me. 
it is a fucking marathon in dealing with secondhand embarrassment, but not even just secondhand embarrassment, but like being a witness to the cruelty that people do behind closed doors. And I just, I think it's just so much of that happening with so many different characters constantly for two and a half hours that it's just like, it's, it asks a lot of you. And I'm glad I did it, but I don't know. At least for a while, I can't do it again. Yeah, I totally understand that. Because really, the only catharsis maybe could have been the scene with Christina killing Pedro, but she does it so quickly and, like, just snaps his neck that it doesn't really feel like we got that moment of, like, oh, well, good for her, you know? That's, Which see, I that's know, the thing. Like, people I... will be like, oh, you think that people could just kill it's a fucking movie so it's a fucking movie she snaps his neck with her bare hands like we all know that's probably not possible but like i love it anyway and that was what i think i got frustrated with this movie and i think and again like it's not to its detriment but like it has this moment of someone finally like getting catharsis and it just kind of goes over really quickly and it's just like fuck like what i want more of that and like you don't ever see Bill get arrested. Like, yeah, we can imply, but you don't see him getting any punishment. You know what I mean? Like, you see the spray yeah, and paint. He might not have. Yeah, like you see the spray paint on the house, and like the cops talk to him, but you never see him get arrested. You never see anything about like a trial. You don't like you don't like Trish doesn't even acknowledge it. Like they just leave and don't talk about it. So we never kind of get a resolution about what happens there. So we don't know if that fucking weirdo gets justice. Alan's going to get, like, Alan is obviously, like, still around and kicking. And Helen's going to hook him up, try to hook him up with Joy. Like, no one really has catharsis except for Christina, but then she's fucking punished. So it's all just so frustrating. But again, I think that's part of what makes this movie special is that, like, existence is fucking frustrating like you're not like not no one gets the catharsis that you think you like that yeah, you feel you life. deserve like in real life like a life is just like a building and building and building and there's like no catharsis until you die and like yeah that's dark but i think that's what the especially with having the parents like that's what the movie is trying like is getting to that. like you're not gonna get that like moment you're just gonna have a bunch of fucked up scenarios happen to you and like try to make the best of it but, like, you're not going to have that, that one mode, like, that movie moment, basically, that, like, saves your life or whatever. And I don't think it's, like, in a nihilistic way, either. I think it's just, like, this is, it's it's just so realistic. Not, I, But I don't get nihilism from this. Uh, maybe that's weird. Maybe other people do, but I don't. I, I get, I get nihilism, but I don't get, like, I don't get, like, gobs and gobs of, like, everything, every, how do, I, how do I put it? I get nihilism, but I don't get, like, this is a weird phrase, a pastel nihilism, if that makes any sense. Like, it's not as dark, and it's not as, like, everything is fucked, but it's more of, a, like, this is the way things are, motherfucker, and, like, this is the way things are gonna be, and this is the way a lot of people live, obviously taken to an extreme, but, like, it's got that kind of, it's got a little bit of hopelessness to it, I think. When you put it like that, I can see it that way. But I know, it, but, like, that's why I call it pastel nihilism, because it's not, like, you yeah, know, like, new French, like, new French extremity, or, like, 
Lars von Trier stuff. It's but it's still got that this like hopelessness to it. It's just not as like blood soaked and gross and terrible. It's more just like yeah, life is shit. Like everyone's a terrible monster, and that's just kind of the way you gotta learn how to navigate the world. Just figure it out. Bye. Like that. <laughs> that's kind of what I yeah. From it. And I I kind of think that it basically is like and you will, and you will like you'll figure it out. And like it's gonna will. suck shit, but you'll figure it out. Like, you're going to live. <laughs> for better or Whether for worse. like it or not. Yeah, for better or worse. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to live through it, bitch. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Well, I love this movie. Um, it's one of my favorites. The, I, I wouldn't have considered it one of my favorites um, before. Like, I loved this movie already, but I wasn't like, oh, it's one of my favorite films of all time. But, like, rewatching it this time... I was just like, there's something about this. This is a really special movie. I wish it was more widely available. It really is something special. It really is. It's so great. And if anybody wants to watch it and they can't find it, I accidentally found it, the whole thing, on YouTube for free. Oh, and I found it on the website, too. So, it's it's (laughs) You can't find it totally legally, but you can find it. (laughs) Or you can buy it for $60 on Amazon. Honestly, if you're a collector, I would say you should probably have it. If you want to buy me a wedding present, somebody, buy that for me for my wedding. (laughs) (laughs) I think the the layers of that being the best wedding present of all time is absolutely incredible. I love that. Well, Dax, what's the next Todd Salons movie we're talking about? I could talk um, about this movie for another six hours, so I think I we should know, probably ra- we should probably wrap up. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's a long episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a long one. Um, I'm so glad that this um, this series is going well um, for both of us <laughs> this time. And... Mary Beth, why is there so much prog rock in this series? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, the next one we're going to watch is one that I own, but I have actually never seen. Oh. And it is from 2001. It's called Storytelling, starring just a whole bunch of people. I know Selma Blair is in it and um, John Goodman. I think. Leo Fitzpatrick from Kids is in it. I know no. you just watched Kids. No, I haven't seen Kids. Oh, you, you haven't seen Kids. No, I haven't watched it yet. But so, but a Spoiler podcast I listened know. to, a <laughs> podcast I listened to talked about it. And I was like, that's what that movie's about? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, we will be we'll, watching we'll get there. We'll get, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, yeah. All that matters is Selma Blair is in it and just... She's the best. So, well, thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Watch Once Never Again uh, and sitting along for this long ass ride where we talk about uh, Todd Salon's happiness. I'm glad that you made it through with us and got to, you know, parse our feelings about this really fucked up movie. Um, so, if you like what we're doing and want to hear more about Todd Salon's, uh, keep listening to us. And if you have suggestions for series we should do, movies we should cover on the podcast, you can let us know via email uh, at wonapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter and let us know there. Uh, you should follow us anyway at wonapodcast. 
And also follow me and Dax on Twitter. Um, I'm at MB McAndrews. I'm at Daxy Bobbin. And make sure to uh, like, subscribe, and rate the podcast because it helps us in the algorithm and shit. So please do that if you like what you're hearing. And if you don't like what you're hearing, don't say anything at all. (laughs) (laughs) Go away. Um, On that beautiful note, thank you again, everyone, for listening. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.